I have great news for you today. I want to share that with you. And then I want to talk about a problem that some people have because they can't live in the goodness and the freedom of that great news. But here's the great news, and then we'll get to the problem and the solution in just a moment. God will fully receive anyone who accepts what Christ has done on their behalf. If you could just take that sentence, go to our website, go to this article, and just copy and paste that sentence and just plead with God to make you believe it. God will fully receive anyone who accepts what Christ has done on their behalf. It's an incredible opportunity as Jesus takes all your sin and gives you his righteousness. But here's the problem. This gospel message is not practically transforming for everyone. Some Christians, many Christians, millions of Christians continue to live under the power of what others think about them Welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. If you want to read this podcast, you can go to it on our website, rickthomas.net. Here's the title of the podcast slash article, Breaking the Bondage of People Pleasing. I have a video for you. I have three graphics for you. I have three other articles for you, you disciples, you counselors. I would recommend that you use this article as a long-term homework assignment for people who struggle with worry, anxiety, fear, fear of others. It's also really helpful for those who, who struggle with their own past actions, that they have some heinous sin in their life, and they are well, they just can't break away from this idea of working to, to please God. And then you have other people who have had some powerful, shaping, conditional relationships to where they had to work to please those relationships. An abusive father comes to mind, or an authoritarian father comes to mind as one of the more common ones that we see in our ministry. But an authoritarian, mean-spirited individual can control a person to such a degree that when they come to God, they have a hard time detaching themselves from that life-dominating habituation. And so they work to please the Lord because that is what they have all, always done and so if you want to read it, Breaking the Bondage of People Pleasing, I want to get into this in just a moment, but a couple things that I want to share with you. I'll start with a positive note first. Rebecca wrote in, this is what she said, Wow, all I can say is this ministry and the content is awesome. Almost all the recent articles have peeled back the scales on my eyes, and God is really showing me things about my bitterness cynicism and disappointment. Thank you so much for your ministry. You can go to the What People Are Saying link on our page, and I don't know, there may be 200 testimonies there. There's well over 100. I'm not sure of the exact number, but you can scroll through and read what people are saying because sometimes people ask us. I get a common question. The common question is, what? tell me again, Rick, what is it that you do? And 
sometimes it's hard to explain to people, but we help people, and that's what I tell them. That's my starter answer. Uh, we help Christians to be better Christians, and this is what Rebecca is saying. She's read a few recent articles, and the Lord has shown her such things as bitterness, cynicism, and disappointment, and she's responding in such a positive way with gratitude and and I appreciate that, and I want you to hear her testimony. Perhaps you have one that the Lord has used this ministry to help you see some things, do some things, change some things. Tell us about it. We would love to put it uh, on our page here. That would be fantastic. Let me say, maybe for the 700th time, <laughs> uh, do not ask us questions on a social media platform. Now, I know many of you who listen to this podcast, you don't go on our social media platforms because this is how you receive our content. And so you don't receive our content on Facebook. And so it's kind of a thing, like why am I even saying this on a podcast when it doesn't apply to you? Uh, but I have put this on Facebook many times, and a lady got angry today with us because we would not answer her question the way that she wanted it answered and the place where she wanted it answered. And so I don't want you to be angry with me or be angry with us. I don't run our Facebook page, but I don't want you to be angry with anyone in our ministry. But if you ask a question on Facebook or Twitter, you're you probably you're not going to get an answer. You don't get the answer that you want. And all I can say to you is you're going to have to please understand, and I'll say it this way. Suppose 5,000 people walked up to your door right now and started knocking on your door and asking you questions. You better have a way. You better have a system to respond to those people. We can't, we're not omnipresent. We cannot be everywhere. And so we have a place to serve you. And so if your question is that important to you, listen to what I'm saying here. If your question is that important to you, then you come to our house, you come to our website, you hit the contact feature, you hit live chat, you jump on our forums. We will, I've said this for years, by the grace of God, we will never turn you away, but we cannot be everywhere at all times. And so uh, I, well, I'll just say it again at some point in the future, but please understand I did have a lady come to me on live chat, and she asked, or come to us rather on live chat, and she asked if I uh, was an integrationist. And so I thought that I would bring that up in this podcast. The answer is absolutely not. I'm not. Now, some of you might not know what an integrationist is. An integrationist is a person who uh, uses secular psychology, uses worldly ideas, and and that is, and they mix it in with the Bible, and it's just kind of a melting pot of all kinds of ideas. It's pragmatic. It's a lot of things. Uh, but I'm not that, and she was kind enough to ask on our live chat feature, hey, is Rick an integrationist? But she said this. She said somebody told her that I was. Now, shame on you, whoever that person is, because that person has not interacted with me. And so let me like give you some biblical advice here. If you have a problem with someone, would you first go to them directly and resolve that problem? Now, that's a common thing in our ministry because of the way that we're set up. As I said earlier, our job is to help Christians to be better Christians, and so we have 
a lot of people that come to us all the time, every day. They come to us about a problem that they're having with another person. But part of our resolution is a standard theme that you need to be engaging that person. And so somebody went to this lady. I'm not going to mention her name because, well, it's just that's not the point. And I do thank her and I commend her that she had enough gumption. She had enough humility. Uh, she had enough intentionality. Uh, she had enough Christ-likeness that she wanted to know the answer to the question, is Rick an integrationist? I don't have the same opinion for the person who asked her uh, because they don't have the gumption or the humility or the Christ-likeness to uh, come to me directly. I would love to know why they think that. I would love to hear their argument. Perhaps there's something that I need to change. Perhaps, you know, that's kind of the thing, you know. Let's say that I am an integrationist and there's something that I need to address would you tell me what it is so that I can address it if it needs addressing? No, what we're going to do is we're just going to go and spread some gossip and say some things, and we're never going to uh, talk to Rick about it. Now, at the end of the day, I honestly don't give a rip what that person thinks or what they said. I, I really don't care, uh, except for this one part. They just shouldn't do that. But I can't change that, and because I can't change that, I don't really care. But it's sad for me. Uh, I'm sad for them, rather, that uh, they would say that, but that's the way it works. I got over gossip a long time ago. It's, it, it's a part of—I uh, had a pastor tell me 30, 35 years ago— I don't remember, but he said, Rick, there will always be gossip in the church. It's never going to go away. He wasn't commending it. He wasn't saying, this is what I want you to do. But he was a, a realist, and so you know, it's just the way it is, and it's the way people are. But this piece of gossip made its way back to me in a circuitous route. And so I wanted to put it out there. Perchance, this person is listening. They probably aren't because I'm an integrationist, but perchance that they're listening. No, I'm not. But if you think I am, would you come to our forums and let's talk about it. I would love to interact. I would love to see the article, the paragraph, the sentence that you're referring to, because uh, maybe I didn't word it the best way, and maybe it does come across that way. Uh, but anyhow, uh, the answer to the question is no, I'm not an integrationist. Now let's talk about uh, breaking the bondage of people-pleasing, because this is a real big deal, and a lot of people struggle this way. And so I want to bring Mabel up here and to center stage and uh, let you uh, learn a little bit about her and her most recent struggle. It's really simple. Mabel has a hard time telling people no. She does. I was telling one of my students yesterday in their report, one of my mastermind students, that there was a lady in our church many, many years ago, maybe, I don't know, 15 years ago or so. But And people would say that this lady had the gift of mercy. And, of course, I knew the lady. And, and there was an element of truth to that. She had the gift of mercy a little bit. But what she really had was, was paralyzing fear. She couldn't tell anybody no, or she wouldn't tell anybody no. She was in the bondage of fear. And what her friends, what some of her friends did is they, they spiritualized it. They, they wrapped her fear up in it with a shell. They put her fear inside of a shell, and, and they, they wrote mercy on the outside of the shell, the gift of mercy. 
which was really unfortunate. She didn't have the gift of mercy. I mean, an element of it she did, but she didn't have the gift of mercy as much as she had the sin of fear. She's like Mabel here. She couldn't tell anybody no. Mabel is a self-described people pleaser. That would be a synonym for this idea that we're ta- that I'm talking about. And she knows it, and she's frustrated because she's regularly doing things that she does not like. And that's why you want your yes to be yes and your no to be no. Uh, we have this running dialogue with our children uh, in our home, uh, when I, I know there's a temptation for little people to, and they're not so little anymore, but for younger people, for kids to give the expected answer. And one of my children were saying that, yes, uh, uh, a few days ago. They, they said, well, Dad, when you ask a question, we, we, our temptation is to give the expected answer rather than the answer that we want. And so we have this tongue-in-cheek dialogue that uh, we'll ask them a question, and then they'll answer it. Then we'll say, well, okay, well, what's the real answer? And it's been, it's been funny, but it's also humorous, but it's also been helpful for us to have this discussion because, and parents, you need to know that. I mean, I'm sure you know it to a degree that when you ask your children something, there's a strong temptation within them to give you the right answer. And so what you want to do is get behind that right answer and see what the real answer is. And what we're trying to teach our children is that we want their yes to be yes and their no to be no. Tell me what you really, really believe. If it's yes, it's yes. That's fantastic. But if it's no and you say yes, then that really is a problem, and that's not a habit that you want to get into. And Mabel is frustrated because she's like this. Each time someone approaches her at her church gatherings, like say on Sunday morning with a request to help, she has this running tape in her head that says, just say no. Guess what? (laughs) Mabel usually responds by pushing the pause button on the tape and promptly says yes to the request. And her frustration is growing in proportion to her responsibilities. Can you imagine that? Her responsibilities are just seeping out, oozing out, gaining Uh, They're becoming larger and larger to where uh, she can't maintain it anymore. And so her frustration is proportional uh, to her growing responsibilities. It's so bad that she rarely has time for taking care of herself or other priorities. And this is typically what happens when people don't say no or their yes is really a no. We talk a lot about this in our mastermind program. It's one of the things that I tell pre-students. I talk a lot about procrastination before they ever get into the program. When you get in the program, you're wrestling with a a 2,000-pound elephant, and and it's going to, it it can dominate you. And so you have to have the ability uh, to put some things on hold in your life, to be able to prioritize your life. You have to understand how to manage your time. And part of that means saying no to some things, or you're going to add this 2,000 pound elephant, this mastermind program on top of everything that else that you have going on and it's not going to work. And so maybe you need to say no to the mastermind program. Don't start. Don't come in. 
Or maybe you go out to set some things aside while you do this program. When I did my MA BC, my master's in biblical counseling, back in the late 90s, we had to set some things on hold. You can't do everything. But I knew that I could stand on my head and hold my breath for two years, and, and then it would be over. And so we set some things aside. We said no to a lot of things for two years because this was a priority and it was the right thing to do. But it's interesting with Mabel, because of her growing frustration and growing responsibilities, guess what? She has gained 30 pounds in the last three years. She said in a tongue-in-cheek way that she'd be over 300 pounds by the time she's 60 years old. You could do the math to figure out how old she is. The reason for the weight gain is that she spends her evenings and weekends watching television until she falls asleep. Watching TV is her way of escaping. The overworked Christian leader will run into some kind of pornography or some addiction. Mabel does a similar thing. She indulges herself with an inordinate amount of binge TV watching and of course, she's grazing and, and snacking as well, and she's gained 30 pounds in the last three, three years. That's, that's 10 pounds per year. When we met for counseling, it was apparent that, that people's opinions controlled her. Mabel cared way too much about what other people thought about her or what she thought they were thinking about her. I was listening to a, a girl, a young girl. She was talking to somebody behind us at the church meeting on Sunday, and she said she had to sit in the center up front. And she said she was uh, terrified by that because everybody was looking at her. I wanted to turn around and say, actually, I don't think anybody cares that much about you. And I, don't, I didn't say that and, and wouldn't say that, but that's the truth. Nobody was thinking about her. Hopefully they were worshiping God. <laughs> Hopefully they were listening to the preaching or listening to the singing or whatever. But isn't that how we think? We walk across the front of the room. Uh, we stand up and say something in a group. We come into the meeting late and we think everybody is looking at you or cares about you or is thinking all these thoughts about you. I, th I think it would be interesting if you could do this statistically, is it really that, that Mabel cared way too much about what people thought about her? What people were actually thinking about her? Or is it more of what she thought they were thinking about her? I imagine a lot of thoughts about Mabel are phantom thoughts. They don't exist. But she's stuck. She's habituated. This is how she rolls, and she's been rolling this way for a long time. She said her primary motive in life was to make God's name great. And I didn't question her motive. In fact, I fully believe her. But making God's name great was not truly representative of how Mabel lives each day. Both of those things are true. Her desire was pure in that she wanted to make God's name great, but functionally, practically, it was not working out that way. The truth is Mabel had a divided heart. Her day-to-day -day practical theology was to make sure her name was in good standing with other people. Her human-centered way of maintaining people's good favor was to say yes 
whenever someone asked her for something. So her practical theology was slowly breaking her down spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. She has become an overweight, indulgent, frustrated Christian who is always Johnny on the spot when there is a need in her church body. And I hope church members everywhere will be more discerning Be careful when you say that a person has the gift of mercy. Get close to them if you can. See if it's really the gift of mercy, which I'm sure it is to a degree, or if it's mostly a person who just won't say no. The goal for her is to be like Jesus, of course, rather than this delusional idea that she has in her mind. You see, Christ was so connected to his Father that he was free to say yes or no, depending on what the situation needed. The only opinion in the room that mattered was what his Father thought about him, and he knew his Father had a good opinion of him, which empowered Jesus to live in the Father's perfect pleasure This freedom released Jesus to be free, to make decisions that were untethered from the pressures, the manipulations or desires of other people, or the perceived desires of other people, these phantom desires that, that we put, that we project, we put into their heads, even though other people aren't even thinking about us at all. Now, we do see this illustrated with Christ, with his interaction with Mary and Martha. When Mary and Martha came to Jesus and they were asking him to heal their brother Lazarus. And this is one of the illustrations that I use often when I talk about this idea of letting your yes be yes and your no be no. Jesus, he had a different idea for that moment in time when Lazarus was was dying And he was free to share his idea because he was resting in the Father's favorable opinion of him. And because he was resting in the favorable opinion, he was free to make a clear-headed decision about the best course of action. Now, Mabel's not living in that kind of freedom. She doesn't, she's not clear-headed. She has a, she's double-minded, as James would say. She has two heads. As I said, she, she has one head that really does want to spread God's fame and to live for Him and all of that. And then she has another head, another voice that is competing with her to want to please other people. She has broken shalom. The picture for broken peace, shalom, is like a, a wall, a brick wall that is crumbled and there are bricks all over the ground. That's the word picture for the idea of shalom or, or peace. What God does is he comes and restores us. He builds that wall. It's a solid wall. It's a fortified wall. There are no bricks laying on the ground. But when you have broken shalom, you're a crumbling wall, and that's what Mabel has inside of herself. But God offers, he extends to his children shalom through the gospel. Gospel goodness frees you from the manipulations of condemnation as well as the inordinate craving to please others. 
And that's, I mean, quite frankly, it's one of the reasons that I, I don't have a problem not responding to people or our team not responding to people on Facebook. I mean, if they get angry, they just have to get angry. But the truth is, if think about this, if I spent my day answering all the questions that come through all the social media platforms, I mean, our whole ministry would just implode. There is no way that we could provide, you know, these resources, that these articles that Rebecca was talking about that I shared with you at the head of the podcast, there would be no articles if I caved to every person that had a question regardless of where they placed that question. And you have to be free from the manipulations of, of condemnation, as that one lady was angry at me because uh, I did not give her what she wanted the way that she wanted I drew Mabel a picture during our time together, and if you want to see that picture, it's here. It's one of the three infographics that's inside of this article. And what this picture shows is how she does have that divided heart. She was splitting the motive of her heart between God and other people. At times, God controlled her heart, while at other times, people controlled her decision-making Without question, she wanted to glorify God, but an evil habit had trapped her. It was the habituation to please others more than submitting to the Lord's power. She did not honestly believe she could say no to others and be free from the perceived condemnation. And I keep saying perceived that phantom condemnation. And maybe there's some legitimate condemnation. And perhaps when she was a child, there was legitimate condemnation. But sometimes we can conjure up condemnation that's not really real. Mabel had drifted from this basic gospel standard. You're perfect in Christ. The gospel instructs us that our works would never merit any favor with God. It further teaches us that God is extremely pleased with the actions of His Son. He's pleased with another person. His name is Jesus. He is so delighted with the works of His Son that He will fully accept anyone who accepts what Jesus has done. Do you want God's pleasure? Accept the works of Christ as your own while rejecting any good quality that you think you have. Join Christ at the cross, believing He can save you from yourself while bringing you into good favor with His Father. If you accept the works of the Son, the Father will be pleased with you. But it gets better than that. You don't have to strive to please God. You don't have to strive to please others. This kind of gospel-centered thinking releases you to make God's name great through humble obedience that is not motivated by a desire to please Him or anyone else. The reason that you want to obey Him now is, is not to have good favor with Him. He loves you. But the reason that you want to obey Him now is different. You obey Him, obey him as an active response of adoration toward Him. The title of this podcast is Breaking the Bondage of People Pleasing. There's a call to action section at the very bottom. I'll give you some of that. Let me ask you a question. Are you free to say yes or no because you are resting in God's gospel goodness? If you are not free, why, are, why not? <laughs> that was the simple question. Why not? Perhaps you had 
evil shaping influences who trained you to work to please them. Maybe it was a controlling father, an angry whomever. Sometimes you can be shaped that way. It's good to understand how you got that way and begin the process of putting off those things and renewing your mind. Question two, are your desires for obedience motivated by a heart of affection for what Christ has done? And that is key. You want to make sure that you're obeying out of adoration. You are obeying out of affection for Him. You're not obeying in order to win His favor. Some people, like perhaps there's a sin in your past that has captured your heart to the point that you don't believe God can love you. And so you are constantly, perpetually paying for that sin that you have committed as a, as a way to be in good favor with God. Please understand that is not the gospel message. Will you take some time this week to discuss these things in this podcast with a friend or a small group of friends? Perhaps you would like to talk to us. If you'd like to talk to us, you can get on our free community forums and, and do that. Make sure you log in and you have your username, your password, then you log in. Those things are free, and then you can ask us whatever question that you may have. Question number three, what is it like to experience clear-headed decision-making because you are free from the burden to please God or others by your works? What is that like? Reflect on that for just a moment. I know that there are relationships in your life that you don't feel that bondage to please them. What is it like with those people? How can you grow that? How can you have that kind of relationship with your Heavenly Father? If you are a discipler, if you are a, a biblical counselor, I would encourage you to use this podcast, this article, the other three articles, the three infographics here, here and the video. Uh, would you use these resources to help those within your sphere of influence? And of course, we are here. We want to serve you, so let us know. You can read this on our website, Breaking the Bondage of People Pleasing. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.